Well, good morning. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. And in a secret life, I was also an HVAC technician. Uh, several years ago, I was an HVAC, HVAC technician. And for those that don't know, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. Super important stuff. You're warm this morning because of people like me. Um, and what I used to do, I would go to four to six houses a day or commercial spaces or restaurants or whatever, and I would fix their furnace or I would fix their air conditioner. Um, I would clean them or I would change their filters or I would replace the part that didn't work or I would remind people how their thermostats work or I would convince them that, yes, in fact, a thermostat does have a battery and you do need to change it and I am still charging you for this visit. That was that was often. And in that that story of me, sometimes the temperatures outside got really cold. You know where we live. This is how this works. When it got below freezing, my four to six customer day became a eight to 10 to 12 customer day, a very long day, a a day that stretched into the evening. And when it got really hot, the same type of thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to call Leslie and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to be home at eight o'clock or seven o'clock because I didn't know when I was going to get home. Sometimes it was 11 o'clock. Sometimes it was 12 o'clock. And some of you guys remember the snow apocalypse, not last year, that was, that was kind of bad. Uh, but a couple years ago, it was even thicker, more snow. And for some of you, that's your story of that snow was um, maybe some days off, some time with family. For me, it was, here are your chains, put them on your tires, you are now working even longer than you were working before, because people will freeze to death. That was the story I was familiar with, that was the story I was used to, I knew the rhythms of that, I knew my part in that story. I eventually was given an office position um, at a company and still HVAC, still the weather affected everything. And I distinctly remember sitting in my office on the first 90 degree day in 2015 and the phone started ringing and I could hear the dispatcher, yeah, we'll be out there, the, the schedule's filling up, we're going to be out there probably after 4 o'clock, or, or it's going to be overtime, we just want you to know. And the phone would ring again, and the phone would ring again, and the phone would ring again. And I felt my heart start racing. And I thought, oh no, I, have, I better go start doing calls. When am I going to get done with work? This is going to be crazy. And I, I, my heart was racing, I started sweating, I started um, a little bit of PTSD from all of the story I've been a part of before. To the point where I stood up and I started walking to the dispatcher and it was, I was halfway there before I realized that's not my story anymore. I don't do that anymore. I don't do that job. In fact, I have an entirely different job that I need to do. That is not my story. That's not the story I belong to. This morning, we are going to do some scripture work and some contemplation on our stories as those in Christ that we know where to show up. We know where to go. Those with Christ can now show up for God. We don't have to show up for sin. Talking about this morning. We're in Romans 6. You can go to Romans 6, verse 6. I'm going to read through all of this. It's good stuff. Let's read together. Romans 6, verse 6. Paul says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, 
being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives to God. The life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. One of my, one of my favorite TV shows is The West Wing. Anyone? One. Okay, perfect. Um, it's an older show, so we keep re-watching an older show. It's a political show. It's, it's about the West Wing. That's where the Oval Office is. That's where the White House. And it's a great show. And sometimes the writing gets so fast and so technical that I, I, I pause and I, I go, what? What? So you'll, you'll have a guy in a suit and he'll come into an office and say, Mr. President, our legislative agenda will be curtailed by the incoming Congress because of the recently enacted precedent that will allow them to pressure the De- Department of Affairs of the Interior because of the second clause of the Freedom USA Act that is being enforced by the USM, even though the TOA is against it. So we need to take the majority leader's aid to lunch next week. So I'll pause it. I'll look at Leslie. Who do they need to take to lunch? What? And, we, and we have to walk back and go... Okay, there's that thing and that thing. Did they even explain that thing? I don't know what's going on. And sometimes that's how I feel in Romans. Any, anyone? A little bit? Okay. Because Paul is so smart, and he's a brilliant guy, and he's running through this tight, logical prose, 400 miles an hour, and sometimes it's going so fast we have to stop and say, who do we need to take to lunch? And that's... That's what we're doing right now. We're, we're pausing. We're stopping. And this is what we do every Sunday. We slow down a little bit and we walk through each of the pieces and say, okay, what, how does this go together? How does this fit together? So this morning, 6 through 11 is a tight, logical argument that says, this is the story you belong to. Let me prove it to you. This is the story you belong to. 6 through 11. And 12 through 14 is, this is how we show up for that story. Okay, six through eleven is the logic. It's the bam, 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 and twelve through fourteen is the lunch. Here's how we do this. This is what we're supposed to do. So six, verse six. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Paul starts talking about a thesis. This is my big idea. His main thrust for the rest of this section. He has been talking now for a while. If you've been coming for a couple weeks, we've been talking about. The idea that those who are in Christ have Christ's story. Jesus' story is our story. It's not merely merely a story for us. It is our story. Jesus' history is our history. His past is our past. Paul takes that and he says, Our old self, the old Adam, the old man, the person who was under the realm of Adam, the person that was a slave to sin, that old self was crucified with Christ. So that it might be brought to nothing, literally might be paralyzed because of what happened on the tree, because of what happened on the cross. And the reality of our story, because we share Jesus' story, 
is that we are no longer enslaved to sin. We no longer have the chains on our wrists and on our ankles. We are no longer under the sway of sin, the authority of sin. When sin tells us to jump, we no longer have to respond with how high. We say, you're not the boss of me. That is not my story. I don't even have to get out of my chair for you. You have no authority. Because you might not believe this, Paul is going to slow down a little bit more and walk through it for us piece by piece. He goes to seven. He says, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Paul starts with a given. Some of you guys might remember your geometry proofs. Um, a, A given is just a basic idea that everyone knows is true. This is like saying we know that squares are rectangles. Right? We know that squares are rectangles. We know that if it's January 1st, we started a new year. It's just true. Where we read this, we might not intuitively understand this, but the believers in Rome, they got this. If you're dead, you're set free from sin. If you're dead, you don't have to deal with sin anymore. Why? Because you're dead. That's, that's where we're at right now. This is how basic we're starting. If you're dead, you no longer have to deal with sin. You no longer reside in the broken world where sin reigns. You're freed by death. That is a given. We know that. Verse 8, he keeps going. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Because we are with Christ, all of his story is our story. If we died with Christ, which we said we know in verse 6, we were crucified with him. We believe that we will also live with him. Why? Because we get Christ's whole story. We don't get part of his story. All of Jesus' story is our story. If, we di- if he died, we died. He lives, so we will live with him. We are not just tied to his death. We are tied to his life. All of his story is our story. Paul keeps going, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. He's digging deeper. Paul says, The way Christ died... And rose again is something new, something revolutionary. This has never happened before like this. Does anyone remember the story of Lazarus? That poor guy. Jesus, uh, Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. He died and and to show God's power over death in a miracle, Jesus rose him from the dead. Raised him? Rose him? I don't know. Um, He was alive again. But that poor guy had to die again. That, that's a bummer. So he died again, and Paul is saying, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus' Jesus's death is something different. He was raised again and will never die again. Christ died and then broke death. He dominated death. Death has no dominion, no ruling power, no authority. Death cannot tell Jesus to jump. It's broken. And Paul continues, For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Jesus no longer needs to die. He came into the realm of the old man, the Adam, and conquered it. He came into the realm of humanity, the one we have resided in, and sinned and defeated it. The realm of humanity and sin, and he broke it. A death to end death, a death to break sin, a death to throw off the enslavement of the old man, 
the era of Adam, the epoch of the broken. And he did it with finality, once and for all. This is awesome. Now he lives to God. No need to go back to the old realm. He doesn't have to stand over here anymore. Jesus lives to God. He lives in a new realm, in a new way of being, one in which life is pointed and directed and presented to God. One in which you show up for God. Have you caught this progression? It's, just, it's still tricky. It's still a little bit fast. Paul says, hey, people, you no longer need to be enslaved to sin. Well, why? Well, you know that if you died, you'd be free from sin. Yeah, I got that. If we died with Christ, we will live with him. Okay, I got that. Christ died an ultimate death and broke death. Okay. He broke it so extremely that he never needs to die to break it again. And now he lives to God. He shows up and lives for God, no longer enslaved. And what's verse 11 say? So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you have Jesus' story. You have his death. You have his relationship to sin. It is broken for you. It is no longer your master. And not only that, because you have his story, you can live to God. Because Jesus broke sin and now lives life as a new man in a new way, in a new era of being, a new way of living, you can live life like that. Because you have Jesus' story. This is mind-shattering news. I talked about cracking open that door 10%. I feel like every time we open the door into Romans, we go, look how bright that is. It's huge. And I open it a little bit and I go, "Ah, I can't. It's blowing my mind and I feel like I can barely even give a portion of what I'm understanding Every Sunday morning. This is mind-shattering news. This is huge and magnificent. Paul is pleading, you must consider yourselves this way. This is your story. You must consider yourself to be in the proper story. You are with Christ, so you share his story. Because of that, you must remember that you have died to sin. The old man is dead. The one under the realm of Adam is dead. The one under the sway of sin is dead. The one who was under the authority of sin is dead. Who could boss you around, he's dead. When told to jump, you said how high. That guy is dead. That woman is dead. That is no longer your stance with sin. That is no longer your story. When the phone is ringing, you don't have to pick it up anymore. You are now alive to God. The main descriptor of your reality is not dead, it's alive. That's why this series is called, series is called Fully Alive. And what do we do with that? First, just sit in that. You have Christ's story. You have Jesus' story. His history is your history. I'm going to say that 15,000 times because it's hard for us to go, yes, I believe that, I understand that, that's true. His story is our story. Paul has this big argument and then he says, here's what we do. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Do not, or to make you obey its passion. 
Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passion. And why? Why not? Because your story is a life-filled story. Don't let sin be an authority or a boss or a king in your life anymore. Your body need not follow the call to sin. And he can say this because we live in the tension, right? There's not just, oh, that's my story. I've never, I never struggle with this ever again. We live in this tension. We know the old way of living so well. We know the old way of being ruled. We are so familiar with it from long experience that we sometimes walk over and say, I, I'll, I'll just do this this way just a little bit. I will just let this rain for just a little bit. I, w- I will put these shackles on my wrists for just a little bit. I will pick up the phone because it's ringing and I know, I know how to answer it. I will obey some of those temptations and passions from before. I know how. And that, that, that pull happens when we forget our story. We forget our history, our past, and our history and our past is Jesus' history and past. Paul says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. What we are talking about here, Paul is saying, don't show up for unrighteousness. Don't report to work for righteousness. Don't say, here are my hands, my my members. Here are my eyes, here are my thoughts. Here's my mind and my tongue. Here are my natural capacities. Here are my skills and the way I deal with relationships. Here you go. Here they are. He says, don't give those over to be instruments. The thrust behind this word instruments is weapons. Instruments of war. Don't present them as instruments of war. Sometimes we forget our stories and we walk across enemy lines and we say to the enemy, reporting for duty. You can have my talents, you can have my thoughts, you can have the way I conduct my relationships, you can have my schedule, you can have my hands. Don't do that. Don't do that. You cross enemy lines. But present, show up for God. He says yourselves, present yourselves Present your whole person to God, the whole man, the whole woman. And you know why he adds that phrase? He doesn't say, he doesn't say don't present yourselves to unrighteousness. He adds this whole phrase because your whole person can now live to God. It is a new man. It is a new woman. We may present portions of ourselves as weapons for sin Bits of ourselves because we remember how to do it. But our whole self is not there anymore. Our whole old self is dead. And our new self can be presented to God as instruments for righteousness. The character we are in the story is a whole life that can, can be directed to God. Those who have been taken from death to life. Those who have moved realms, moved the way we live We have changed stories. Our stories are no longer focused on death, but now focus on life. Paul says, present your members to God as weapons for righteousness. It is impossible to be passive. 
I cannot just stop giving them to sin. I need to give them to God. It's impossible to be passive. I show up for someone. I present myself to God for righteousness. For righteousness. For the way things ought to be. That is the story you were a part of. That is the story you can show up for. He says in 14, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. You are not in the realm of the dead anymore. You are not in the realm of Adam anymore. The authority and those who hold dominion over that realm have no say on you. The evil one, the deceiver, the accuser, his servant demons, the world and its brokenness, your old dead self, they do not dictate how you live. They can only remind you of your old, old story. But that is not your story anymore. You are under grace. You are in Christ. Jesus' story is your story. You most likely are sitting right now and you have a sin in mind. A way you have presented yourself or keep presenting yourself or you feel like you can't stop presenting yourself to this sin. Some present themselves to anger or worry or anxiousness or pride or laziness and we go, this is its just who I am. To ambition at work that is really greed or pride to a cutting remark when people screw up, it's just who I am. To a perpetuated broken personality or proclivity. Your mind will give you an out. The devil will give you an out. Don't worry about it. It's just who you are. That's just your personality. That's just the way you walk. You're just used to it, so don't worry about it. It's just you. It is not you. Those are the vestiges of a dead man. Those are the remnants of a dead woman. Walk away from it. Those are weapons that only help the enemy. Some of us have been involved with sins for a long time. They have furrowed ruts into our souls and our minds and our habits, and we don't even know how to walk away anymore. The, pre- the presentation is just a given. We just don't even know what to do. Some have taken the good things that God has given us, and we have bent them and abused them and used them to medicate pain and hurt and shame and loss and broken relationship. Some have elevated family to the level of God and all is for family and we take a good thing and we make it a God thing and we break it. Some have made job or activity the ultimate and it is broken. There is greed there. There is self-reliance or ambition for power or success and we present ourselves to something other than God. We take good things and make them broken things. We take, some have taken the bottle and said, this will be my savior. This will mend me. And now they say, I can't stop. This thing has authority over me. I don't know what to do. I can't stop. It holds sway over me. Some have taken chemicals, illicit or prescribed, and have given ourselves over to them. And they change the way our bodies work and our minds work. And it seems to wrap around you and never let you go. 
Some have taken the gift of sex out of its proper and beautiful context and let the realm of Adam dictate how it works. We have given our members to those we have no marriage covenant with. We have said sex is a tool to assuage my pain and my shame and I will give myself to it. We have opened up our screens to an infinite harem and an ever-varying brothel and we present our members to sin. There are furrows in our minds and our bodies and we are broken and we hear ourselves saying, I can't stop. I can barely even feel anymore. This thing has authority over me. Some have taken bitterness and anger and selfishness and you have worn it like a cloak. It has mangled your mind and your relationships and it seems to control you and you say, you don't know what they did to me. You don't understand how much it hurt and you dance with death. And in all these things, we dance with death. You know what we're really good at? We're, we are good at flaying people for the th- sins that are large and gross and we will probably never deal with on a personal level. And then we turn to our own lives and we say, this is not so bad. You don't understand why I do this. I have, I have some pain. I have some life experience. You don't understand And we deceive ourselves in thinking these little sins are probably not even a big deal. They probably aren't even sins anyway. They have the mark of death. Ungodliness, anxiety, frustration, discontentment, unthankfulness, pride, selfishness, lack of self-control, impatience, irritability, gluttony, laziness, anger, judgmentalism, worldliness. I could talk for hours. Sin is anything that does not make God look good and glorious. That does not position itself to glorify God. Anything we present to that is not God. All of these little things that barely blip on our human scale of evil and all of these big things that we sit in secret shame trying to hide, they are instruments of righteousness or unrighteousness. They are weapons in the hands of the evil one aimed at the face of God. Don't give your bodies over to them. Don't present your members to unrighteousness. Don't dance with death. My dear friends, my brothers and sisters, this is not your story. You have been purchased by the God of the universe. He gave himself on that tree, crucified for you. And he wraps you up in himself. When he died, you died. He stepped on the throat of sin and said, this slavery is over. This reign is over. This rule is over. And he laid in that tomb and with all the power of the universe creating God, rose to new life, to glorious life, slavery killing life. And you are wrapped up in him. His story is your story. He rose to rule over a new way of living, a new way of humanity. His life he lives to God and you are wrapped up in him. His story is your story. And he has begun a revolution among all the land of all the world that proclaims loudly, death will not reign. Sin will not reign. Brokenness will not reign. Evil will not reign. The evil one will not reign. Jesus will reign. 
Jesus will reign. He's conquered death. And you are wrapped up in Him. His story is your story. And every day we remember that story and we run and present our members, our entire selves, as weapons of the war in that revolution. We say, this is how things ought to be and I will present everything I am to that revolution, to God. And one day He will return in glory and splendor and restore all righteousness, restore all as it ought to be, And on that day, we will present our entire selves to him because that has been sealed for us, because we've been practicing that for a long time, because his story is our story. That's true. That is true. If you're on the death side of this revolution, you need Jesus and his story. And you can have Jesus and his story. He will give you his life. If you sit in tension and you know that's your story, but it's a struggle, present your members to God. You need to remember your story. You need to run to Jesus' body, the community. That's us. Talk to a pastor. Talk to an elder. Talk to your life group and say, I don't know what to do. I keep presenting over here, and I know this is my story, but it's hard. You can confess there. You can let it out there. You can be reminded of your identity, and you can present yourselves to God. But please remember, my friends, the story is true. You have Jesus' story. And you can show up for Jesus now. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that it's true. I thank you that you have opened the door to life and you have invited us through it. I thank you that you've given us Jesus' story. His death is our death. His life is our life. You have gotten rid of the people that used to have authority in our lives. Sin no longer binds us. I pray that you would help us realize that, that that story would be the paramount thing in our minds, that we would, we would think of that first. I pray you would rescue my friends from their sin. Rescue my friends from the pieces that seem to latch on and not let go. Use your community to help them. Use um, your Holy Spirit to comfort them. Heal them. And help them see that sin died on the cross and it no longer has authority. We still, still have to stare it in the face sometimes, but it is not our boss. Thank you for being good and glorious. I pray that as we sing these songs that they would um, give lyrics to our hearts and our souls so we can properly respond to how good you are. Thank you for being gracious. Help us see it. Thank you that we get to walk and we can present ourselves to God. Amen.